When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. future we're talking real money wow do we have a special talking real money for you today this is a is talking real money like it has never been done before this is talking real money the actual show live on como from everett washington i'm don mcdonald and tom cock is up on stage with our special guest Welcome to uh, Talking Real Money live from Retire Meet North. My distinct pleasure to welcome uh, educator, a uh, retired registered investment advisor, still regular columnist at Market Watch. He's got a podcast. He was kind enough to be on the show the last three weeks while Don was out messing around in New Zealand. Our distinct pleasure. Please warm welcome for Paul Merriman. Paul. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. It. It is a pleasure. Things have changed in my relationship with Tom Cock. When he used to introduce me, he would say, and Paul taught me everything I know. He doesn't do that anymore. Did you notice? I get no credit. I'm here to tell you about things that I suspect Tom would want to tell you as well. Things that I believe are absolutely life-changing in the process of investing. I want to talk about 10 different decisions that you will make as an investor. You'll make them by design or by default, by choice or by chance. And I want them to be by design and by choice rather than having something just happen to you. So these 10, I think, are some of the biggest. They aren't necessarily the biggest because that might depend on who you are as an individual investor. I wrote a book when I retired entitled 101 Investment Decisions Guaranteed to Change Your Financial Future. These 10 come out of that book. The book is free at paulmerriman.com. And as a matter of fact, I hope you all got the handout here today. And those who are listening on the radio who have a computer nearby might want to go to paulmerriman.com. And right there, there'll be Como presentation, and you could look at the, the tables and things I might share with the folks here in the room. It's a real pleasure to be here. 101 decisions, here are the big 10. By the way, some of those 101 decisions might save you or make you $10,000. I don't think there's a one that isn't worth at least $10,000 in a lifetime. Now, my lifetime is fairly short. So if I had a room full of students, college students, I could make some outrageous claims about what these decision points could do to them and for them. But these 10, I believe, are million-dollar decisions, things that are going to change people's lives. And when I'm talking to young people, but I think it applies to you too, the money that, that really counts from all the investing you do for a lifetime 
pays off at the day you retire. Because that's the day the money starts. You move from accumulation to distribution. And all the money you get from distributions, and then all the money you leave to others at the end of your life, that really is the outcome of the smart investing that you do. And believe it or not, a $5,000 a year investment for a young person for 40 years, for 40 years, $200,000. The difference between getting 8 and 9% and the money they'll have for retirement and to leave to others, believe it or not, from that 200000 if you get 9% instead of 8, that'll be an extra two-plus million dollars to either spend or to leave to others. So what I'm trying to do to help people is I'm trying to, to, to find every way I can that they can do better. But heads up here, because you are about to hear things that are simple, but not so easy. But simple if you've got the discipline and you've got the desire. Starts with education. I think Benjamin Franklin said that the best return that you can get in life is going to be that of an education. And so I hope in the next minutes that you will find at least one of these decisions, these choices, that you might make a little different than what you're doing right now, and it would lead to a better financial future, not just a financial future for you, but for your kids. And Paul Merriman's education will continue on Talking Real Money in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. We're broadcasting live from Retire Meet North in Everett, Washington, and our special guest is Paul Merriman. Stick around. Tom and Don are talking real money. Keeping the podcast breaks as painless as possible is my goal. That's why I want to very quickly tell you about the only magazine I've ever heard of that is one hundred percent real investing all the time there's no business news no speculative advice and certainly no lifestyle stuff it's called real investing journal i publish it every quarter and you can get two full years for only 25 bucks at realinvestingjournal.com that's realinvestingjournal.com your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money well, Tom and Don are at Retire Meet in Everett right now with our special guest for this hour of the show, Mr. Paul Merriman, as he continues. Thank you, Don. Look, one of the biggest choices that you're going to make is the decision as to who you trust as your advisor, as your source of information about how to invest. It's huge. In fact, it may be the biggest decision you make because if you go down the wrong path, you know where that can lead. It can lead to getting half the returns you should get, pay more taxes, twice the taxes you should pay, etc. Now, I see three sources for investors in terms of advice. The first source is Wall Street. I personally do not have a high degree of trust in Wall Street. I don't mean that the people are not well-intentioned. But when what I want from, from whoever's giving me guidance, and I'm not just talking about the advisor, I'm talking about the firm, I'm talking about the products, the securities that they offer their investors. I want them to be ethical and competent. 
And if all three, advisor, firm, and products, are not ethical and competent, I'm moving on. And the first thing I did when I was wondering about ethical was I, I, I did a search for the name of a very major brokerage firm, and I put the word fines, penalties, churning after it. I had a week's worth of reading. But worse, there were over $500 million in, a, in, in the first page of fines that they've had to pay. Is that the kind of, of background I want in terms of somebody I could trust to give me good advice? The other's Main Street, your neighbor, somebody at the office. I don't know how to evaluate them. I could not tell you because I don't even know if I'm going to get the truth out of those people, and I'm not sure you're going to get the truth. Where I come down is I believe that the best source of investment advice, investment information, is from the academic community, what I call University Street. That's the only place that I know that really focuses in on what is in your best interest. Another million-dollar decision is how much in how stocks versus bonds. Now, I think everybody in this room knows that stocks make more than bonds. I did include, just for your interest, on page three of the handout material, looking back to 1926, looking at all the 40-year periods for bonds, for T-bills, for intermediate bonds, and for long-term government bonds, all governments, what was the best 40-year compound rate of return? It was long-term government bonds, almost 9%. What was the best for T-bills? 4.4. Intermediates, 5.7. Excuse me, 6.1 was the best for T-bills. 8.1 for the intermediates. They've had some good times, but they had a 40-year period that that T-bills made 1.5%, 40 years for intermediates at 2.9, and 40 years for long-term governments of 2.2. You know, there is a chance that you or your children is going to end up going through a very long period of low returns for bonds. Now, when you turn the page and you look at page four, you can look at the returns of stocks. Let's just look at the S&P 500 on the left-hand column, and let's go to the bottom of the page where we can look at the 40-year summary. The worst 40 years was the compound rate of return of 89 that's where I want to get my growth, not from bonds, obviously. The average was 10.9. So I'm a big believer that if you want to add a lot of money to your long-term returns, you need to have equities. Another huge decision is whether you're going to pick and invest in one stock or you're going to invest in 10,000. Now, 10,000 seems a little bit over the top, maybe. But in fact, 10,000 is better than 5,000. 5,000 is better than 1,000. And 1,000 is better than 1. Because the expected rate of return of any individual stock is the average of all the stocks in that asset class. In other words, I don't care how smart you are and how you see the future. That return that is expected to be produced is simply the average of all those stocks. I've never met an investor who thought that the stocks they picked were going to be average. Have you? 
I mean, that's just the nature. We're optimistic when we pick a stock. If all we wanted to do was get the average, why wouldn't we pick an index or a bunch of indexes? Here's a piece of information, a study by a Dr. Bessembinder. This is a brand new study. I don't even think it's out finally. It's in, still in rough draft, but you can see it on the internet where he talks about the returns of stocks versus treasury bills. And believe it or not, going back to 1926, what they found was that about 4% of the stocks, actually less than 4% of all the stocks that were ever public, made real big returns. The other 96% got the average of T-bills. In other words, when we invest in the stock market, particularly if we invest in index funds or ways where we get massive diversification, we're going to have a few stocks that are going to do phenomenally well, probably, but most of them aren't going to do all that well. And what the academics conclude from all of this is that if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I mean, if you want market rates of return, and I think most of us, I'm 74, I look back to how I felt about investing when I was 19 and 20. I was going for the moon. But I know now that had I gotten a simple index return like the S&P 500 for all of my life, I would be just fine. And so the way to be just fine, I don't care if you're talking about small cap or you're talking about uh, value, the way to be fine is to have massive diversification. Now, Bessenbinder also notes that a lot of that 4% of the companies that, didn't in, that did have this huge return, then they went broke. Then they went broke. And so, even though there were these companies like General Motors, General Motors was like the 11th most pr profitable investment ever in, since 1926, okay? But now what do we know about it? Well, it's back again, but first it had to go broke. I thought I heard music. Oh. No, did, did I, I thought, did I hear music? <laughs> oh, all right, the music played a second early, Paul. Okay. So, uh, by the way, we'll just we'll, now some music. We're here at Retire Meet North, our very first Retire Meet on the north side of the uh, Puget Sound region, and we have a huge crowd, and we're doing something a lot different. We are having our guests broadcast their presentations live on Talking Real Money, and we will continue to hear from Paul Merriman, author and syndicated columnist, and a lot more right after we take Tony care of this. Are talking real money. If you're sick of investing through an insurance agent or a stockbroker and you're in the market for a fee-only advisor who charges truly low fees and uses a scientific approach to building portfolios for your risk tolerance and need, you should check out Vestry. Tom and I started this firm and it is devoted to educating everyone, total transparency, clarity, low fees, and great service. If you're looking for an advisor, you ought to at least take a look at us at Vestory.com. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com or give us a call, 800-386-3004. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money.
As I said, we're live at Retire Meet North in Everett, Washington, with our special guest presenter, Mr. Paul Merriman. And I am here helping people take some huge forks in the road, decisions. And this is a biggie. Probably in your equity part of your portfolio, it's worth 2% a year. And that is the decision of whether we use index funds or we use actively managed funds. Index funds, for people who listening to Como may not know that those are funds that replicate some benchmark, some group of stocks like the S&P 500, or they may own nothing but small companies, or nothing but growth companies, or nothing but value companies. Here's what we know from the research. This is evidence that I don't know how we can ignore, and that is, according to a report, comes out every six months, put out by S&P, it's called the SPIVA report. According to that report, if we look back at the last 15 years, ending December 2017, it turned out that over that 15-year period, on average, only about 10% of the actively managed funds were able to beat the, uh, the S&P 500 benchmark. The same thing with small companies who actively managed versus the benchmark. The same thing with emerging markets. The same thing with international small cap. It's a small number of funds that, in fact, do better. And that number, for what it's worth, is overstated in favor of the actively managed funds because it doesn't include the funds that went out of business, which is about half of the funds do not survive over that 15-year period. Now, of course, the ones that do survive have a better return than the ones that didn't survive. You can see how it's going to make the, the survivors look better than they really were. And here's what the academics will tell you. They have no way to know which mutual funds that are actively managed are going to be better in the future. They can't know the one out of ten that's likely to do better. And they come with a lot of heavy lifting, like more taxes, more turnover costs, more expenses, huge difference in expenses. And what do the academics tell us is the one variable that points directly to higher rates of return over time, lower expenses. So the index fund gives us low expenses, high tax efficiency, Massive diversification, the very thing that, according to Bessembinder, is going to lead to a higher rate of return than if you hire somebody to pick their favorite 50. How can people ignore all that beautiful research? Another fork in the road. Oh, this one is big. This is so big, particularly for young investors. In fact, I've got an, an article entitled, How to Turn $3,000 into $50 million for your grandkids. Okay? It's not for you. I hope you'll read it. Uh, I want to go back to page four, where we looked at the S&P 500. I want to spotlight uh, the 40-year performance, the average 40-year performance of the column right next to the S&P 500, large cap value, LCV. It compounded at 13.5 versus 10.9.
The small cap blend, much smaller companies, compounded at 13.8 average return. Small cap value. It is this, of all the asset classes that I know, and I'm talking about owning all of them as an index rather than owning your favorite 10 or favorite 100, this has historically produced, going back to 1928, the best returns of any asset class I know. The average 40-year return is 16.2. So, we're going to take a break. That's good. For news and the like. If you, uh, listening at home, want to play along, go to paulmerriman.com and you can download the notes from this presentation. And we'll be back talking real money from Everett. Real money. If you need help allocating your retirement plan at work, you can get free help at 401411.com. That's 401411.com. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome back to a really special radio show. The first one we've ever done where we did the actual retire meet presentation live on the radio. So far, it's working out. I'm Don McDonald, along with our special guest, Paul Merriman. Thank you, Don, and thank you all for being here. When I left, my, my wife said to me, now, don't get so excited. And I said, you know, when I'm talking about things that don't mean a lot of extra money, I won't get excited, but I can't help but get excited when I'm thinking about making more money. But now I want to talk about something that is less about making more money and more about protecting your investments in declining markets, because each and every one of us has a risk tolerance, a limit. My wife and I, we are 50-50 stocks and bonds in a, in, in a buy and hold strategy using DFA funds. That's not a shock, I'm sure, to this room. But that's because I'm 74, my wife is younger, but we shouldn't have all of our money in equities. So one of the keys to being properly diversified, you got to address risk tolerance, your age, when you're going to need the money, how much money you're going to need. There's a whole bunch of things that people need to understand to figure out how much they have in fixed income and, and how much in equity. And if you go to page five, the fine-tuning table, that is the best tool that, and this goes back about 15 years, I think, that uh, we created that tool to help people think this through. What does it mean if I have 100% in bonds? Is there any risk to bonds? That's the left-hand column. What does it mean if you're 100% in the S&P 500? By the way, I've got other pages that are for worldwide diversification, all-value diversification, 50, 50, 70, 30, all sorts of ways to look at different combinations of equity and fixed income risk. Now look what happens as you go across to the right on this table and you start the annualized return of all fixed income over that period of time was seven. You add 10% in stocks at seven and a half return. You add another 10% at 7.9. And the more equities you put in the portfolio, the more money you make and the more money you'll lose in a bear market. And you got to sign up both for the return, you hope that return, and you got to sign up for the downside. 
So let's go over to that 50-50 combination. I can see that over that period of time, 50% international, I'm sorry, intermediate bonds and 50% S&P 500 would have produced a very fine 9% return. How many would be happy for, with 9% for the rest of your life? Right. The problem is, during most of that time, the returns on bonds were quite high. Okay? So I'm not sure where you get the kind of returns on bonds today unless you want to go invest in high-yield bonds one at a time. If you go all the way over to the S&P 500, 100%, you'll notice that instead of 9, it made 10.4. But the worst 12 months was a loss of 43.4 versus the worst 12 months with the 50-50 was a loss of 23.2. A lot of you may not be willing to lose 23% of your money somewhere along the way, in which case you've got to rethink how much risk you're taking. Particularly, by the way, particularly if you're close to retirement and you have enough money right now that you could actually retire, but you love your job. How many people feel that way? A lot of you. So you're going to keep working. But why should you keep taking the risk of an accumulator when you could be in a distribution? And so when I see people like that, I say, cool your jets. Now's the time because you've got enough right now. One other choice, how much you take out. This is huge. This is huge. I want you to look. Uh, this is in retirement now. These are distributions. I've got these what I think are great tables. If you go to page six, I want you to see the number that I circled. That number is 50% in stocks, 50% in bonds. It's the year 1999. You started with a million dollars in 1970. You took out 3% and you increased it every year by the amount of inflation. By 1999, the, the annual payment was 130000 The first year, it was 30000 And because of the inflation in that 30 years, it's now 130000 Have you factored inflation into your future needs? I mean, this is one of the reasons we need to have some equities in the portfolio. Not everything, but some. Now, that's taken out 3%. Now, I want you to go to the next page. Because the next page... That page seven represents what would happen if you took out 4%. It may not sound like a really big deal taking out 4% instead of 3%, but I want you to go to that circled number. Now it's only 3.9, okay? And if you go to the next page, guess what? You're out of money. Literally, you're broke at 5%. And talking, you, talking Real Money continues from Retire Meet North and Everett in just a couple of minutes. Again, if you're at home, you can get the information Paul's talking about at paulmerriman.com. Stay with us. If you're looking for a nice short podcast to tide you over between episodes of Talking Real Money, check out Money 30. Money 30 podcasts are between two and four minutes long, and they're available at every major podcast service, including Apple Podcasts, or you can visit money30.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. It's a unique edition of Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald, and we're at Retire Meet North in Everett with our special keynote speaker, Mr. Paul Merriman. Thank you, Don. I am down to my last three of the ten investment decisions guaranteed to change your financial future. 
And these three are pretty doggone important. In fact, the first one I'm going to talk about, I have seen many investors who have ended up with half of the money they should have because they did this. They made the choice between buy and hold and market timing. And they decided to become a market timer. And the minute you become a market timer, it means that you have to theoretically be conscious of what the market is doing day to day or month to month or year to year. Maybe your, your market timing strategy is built on an, an econometric uh, strategy of some sort. And you found a guru you think has a good view of what the future looks like. Or maybe it's some sort of a mechanical system based on a trend line. All of these market timing systems, and I've looked at hundreds of them, all of them have period of huge underperformance. And I have found very few investors who are willing to accept huge underperformance when their neighbors are making money. You know that feeling? Because why, why am I doing this market timing? Why am I having to make these decisions? Why am I trading the market and three times in a row I trade the market and I lose each time? What am I doing this for? The self-talk is terrible and the unfortunate part is the majority of people who use market time use what I call the ICSIA strategy. I can't stand it anymore. And the reason that's bad is because you're going to your emotions. And any time we default to our emotions, the odds are that we are in trouble because our emotions just don't know what to do with loss. Loss is something none of us really wants to face. We'd like to figure out how to get 12% a year without any volatility. I did actually for five years get 16% a year, guaranteed. It was a CD at the peak of the interest rates back in the 80s. But I couldn't build a portfolio for a lifetime that way because from there it just went down and down and down and it was one of the biggest bear markets in history, the, 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 the reduction of interest rate payoff to people who lived on those interest rates. So, Almost everybody does market timing. I was in a room with some professional money managers this last week. And they said, well, we don't believe in market timing. No, we don't do market timing. Then they went on to tell me how what they do is they watch the economy. And when they see changes in the economy, they make changes in their portfolio. I jumped up and I said, that's market timing. Because it is. Because it requires a collection of information and then more than likely an emotional decision. And I just don't believe that is a way to manage money. Now, the next fork in the road that's a real, real big one. Huge. And there was a, there was a study that was done supposedly at Harvard of people who left Harvard and had a plan versus those that didn't have a plan, and uh, 25 years later, those that had a plan uh, had, I think, five times as much money or ten times as much money. Turned out that study was a hoax. 
uh, and yet it made it in almost uh, every major financial publication. But I've been around this business for over 50 years. And I see the people who are successful in their lives, not just with their money, but how they exercise and how they eat. And they show discipline. Now, I have at least conquered the discipline of investing, okay? I'm not doing well on the eating. I'm not doing well on the exercising. And it turns out this isn't just about intellectual capability, because I think I'm relatively intelligent. There are just other things going on inside of me that choose that sandwich out there I'm about to eat over a salad. It's the same with investing. People do poorly if they don't have a plan. Every one of you should have a guide, a glide path. Do you all know what a glide path is? A glide path is, here I am, I'm 22 years old, I want to retire when I'm 65, I want to be all equities, all equities, all equities, and then I start adding bonds, and the bonds get to be more and more, and then when I'm 60, I've got maybe 45% bonds, and then when I'm 65, I've, I've got another 5% in bonds, and when I'm 80, if you look at the Vanguard glide path for their target date funds, every target date fund has a glide path you can see at Morningstar at the bottom of the portfolio page of each one of these target date funds. But they think you should be 20% in, uh, in equities only when you're 80. I'm not going to do that. I've got a plan. My plan is I'm going to stay 50-50 because I'm trying to save money to leave two children, hope they don't hear that, and charities. It's not like this is on the radio or anything, Paul. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, people who have a plan may even see the... We have a free chapter from Financial Fitness Forever. The free chapter is about the 12 numbers everybody should know. It should be in your plan. Vestry offers, what, a, what do you call it, Don? A blueprint or something where... You, you go through the... My Future Blueprint. My Future Blueprint. And it's $100 off during the show. Wow. Yeah. Uh, off of what? $199 down oh, to $99. I like that. You know, a plan can change your life, if not just because of you, but because of the couple. Because typically, my memory is, when I was an advisor and I actually guided individual people, what I found one was one was conservative and one was more aggressive. And how do you solve the problem for both of them? You build a plan that takes both of those people's considerations or beliefs and feelings into consideration. Because once you do that and you get both people on the same path, I think it's a, it's a, it's a winning plan because if one isn't, they're going to undermine the plan that you have. I have a couple of friends down in San Miguel de Allende, Joe and Diane. They retired at 48. Their plan was save her salary, live in modest homes, buy used cars, and camp out. And they did it. And they did it. Last item. Luck will be a big part of the outcome for all of us. 
John Bogle. John Bogle is one of the luckiest people that ever has been in the financial community. He starts a mutual fund that he doesn't have to do anything but replicate the S&P 500 in 1976. From 75 to 99, the S&P 500 compounds at 17.2%. Is that lucky or what? You're going to get lucky, maybe. But that doesn't mean that you can count on luck. You have to do everything you can. Focus on control. Focus on expenses. Focus on asset classes and diversification. Thank you for your patience. I hope to help. Tom and Don are talking real money. We mention 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 throughout the podcast. But you need to know that you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave your question, and those will be answered in special Talking Real Money podcasts that will appear on this particular site in the future. So give us a call, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And we're about to end this hour of Talking Real Money live from Retire Meet North in Everett, but we've got another hour coming up. In the next hour of the show, uh, Paul still has his lavalier on, so he's still over the air. And uh, in the next hour of the show, we're going to talk about reverse mortgages with uh, Harlan Akala of Fairway Mortgage. And then our good friend Rick Gregorick from some other radio station that we don't even pay any attention to is going to be here to talk about the law and your money uh, in the second half of the hour. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Stick around. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.